Amen. Thank you, ladies. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity we have to be together tonight. We praise you for your work in our lives, how great you are. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We celebrate all that you do for us so that we might have life and hope in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that tonight you might help us to hear your word, and we thank you for the time we have in your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. I have no idea. I'm turned, I'm on, but he said something about he changed some, sorry folks, he changed some setting last week. Can you hear me now? Are we there? Hello, folks listening to us out there. Excuse the technical difficulty. We can go to the moon, but we cannot always get our microphones right. Philippians chapter 4 is where we are tonight. Great to see you in the middle of our Ju July time, uh, in between uh, sessions of uh, various of our classes. But we're here to, tonight to move on and finish our time in the book of Philippians. And may the Lord bless you. I hope you've had a good day. We uh, did not uh, complete what we were looking at last week, so I want to begin reading again in uh, verse number 4, and we'll read down through verse number 9. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be, be known to all men, the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come back tonight, and the focus of what I want, I'm really going to give the primary part of my time tonight to verse number 8. Verse number 8. And the truth here that I want to emphasize is this, when believers... Pray, when believers pray, the peace of God guards their minds so that they can think about godly things. My order of the statement there, if you've got a copy of the outline, you see what I've put here. If not, there are outlines here, copies of the outline at the back. For those of you listening, it's online if you want to get it from off the website. When believers pray, the peace of God guards their minds so that they can think about godly things. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Sometimes when people talk about prayer, they talk about prayer as if prayer is a thing in and of itself. You know, it's the idea, well, I need your prayers. No, we need God. Prayer is the way we speak to God. God is who we need. Can anybody agree with me on that? Prayer is, sometimes you hear people talk as if prayer is its own device. Uh, prayer is its own solution. Prayer is its own uh, method toward a way of feeling a certain way. Well, 
that's important. What I, what I want you to see here tonight is, remember, this is a prison epistle. What does a man in prison do with his time? Well, Paul teaches us some very important things. You might feel like you're in a prison tonight. You might feel like you're in a circumstance or situation you can't seem to get out of. I've been talking uh, to those who, uh, who are with me on uh, Wednesdays at noon about uh, persisting and enduring impos in impossible situations and persisting and waiting on God and uh, persisting when we are facing temptations. But anyway, the idea, sometimes people get the idea, well, you know, uh, I pray for you. No, I pray to God for you. I pray to the Lord for you. It's a big difference from, I just pray. <clears throat> there are people who pray in all kinds of world religions, you know that? The Hindus spin prayer wheels. It's a lot easier to spin the wheel than to pray. You just walk by and you spin the wheel. You just spin the wheel. There are some who look at prayers lighting a candle. You light the candle and you've done the candle and then the candle is your prayer. But to pray is an action we all take. And um, we see that Paul uh, has this understanding and he, he talks about this over and over. I just take you back to the beginning. I thank my God, this is Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. He prayed for them. He prayed for them to the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke to the Lord about His friends. He, he prayed and He gave uh, joy to the Lord and thankfulness to God for all that he had done for them. So praying is important, but prayer is not something in and of itself. Paul teaches us two practices here, two spiritual disciplines that are very important to all of us in this room and all of you listening tonight. They are the discipline of prayer to God and the discipline of thinking deeply or meditating on God and His Word. So I want, to th I want you to see the connection of these. Uh, uh, notice he begins, as we looked at last week, the anxiousness for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. There's one of, we talked about the terror of the mind last week. Worry, fear, anxiety comes in various forms. <clears throat> anxiety can cause great harm to you physically and emotionally. Uh, be anxious for nothing. Anxiety. The world is filled with anxiety and worry and dread and fear. And, uh, I, I, talk, I describe it as terrorized minds. People live with terrorized minds. It's not just old people. It's young people. It's children. Children live with terrorized minds. Oh, some of the things that they must put up with. Dear children, what they must put up with. They don't understand it all, but in their minds they recognize that there's terror and fear and students, uh, suicide rates among teenagers higher than they've been in some 30 years, in the last two years. Terrorized minds, fearfulness, people faint-hearted, people worrying. Don't be anxious for anything, Paul says, but he doesn't know what his fate's going to be. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die but we've seen that already in Philippians, that whether he lives or dies, all to the glory of God. 
So don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's what we do in prayer. We make a request known to God. So praying, praying is we approach God in prayer with supplication. That is, we make our petitions and we thank Him as we make our requests known to God. We present it to God. And then what happens? Well, here's the result. Notice, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Did you notice the linkage there of verse 6 to 7? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and conjunction and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let's pick this up on our outline, just make some uh, quick observations tonight. First of all, believers experience the peace of God when they pray. Pray until you have peace, my friend. How long should I pray? You pray until you have peace. You pray until you have peace. You pray. You go before the Lord and you pray. You make your requests known to a God who is able, who is faithful, who is powerful, who can do all things. Uh, what did the Lord say uh, to the dear man who said to him, if you can do anything, help me. We talked about this not long ago on Sunday morning. And the Lord said, with God, all things are possible. So when you speak with the Lord, you speak with a God who is able to do all things. And so as we approach Him... We pray. We pray until we have peace. Tonight, how do you pray? How are you praying, my friend? Are you praying with uh, petition and thanksgiving and making your request known to a God that you believe can do anything that will answer your prayers as you pray in the will of God? Well, when that happens, the peace of God guards your heart and mind. This word peace, I've, I, I try to give you these uh, uh, Greek words as we go along on the outline because I think it helps you to see somewhat the idea behind these words. The peace of God is the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Irene is the word. It means a tranquil state of the soul. Tranquility. Tranquility in your mind. When the world is agitated and churning, churning minds all around you, when you pray, when you pray, you pray in the will of God and you pray with the help of the Holy Spirit, you know what you gain? You gain tranquility. Pray till you have peace of mind. Pray until you have peace of mind. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. Notice what the Lord's saying there. To his disciples, he says it to you and I tonight, who are his followers. Peace I leave with you and I give you. I don't lose heart and don't be troubled. Tonight, are you, have you lost heart? Are you troubled? Are you fearful? Well, then you must pray. You must pray. The peace of God surpasses comprehension. It is a word that means to rise above. The peace of God rises above. It surpasses even our thoughts, feelings, and understandings. 
You see, it's the power of God at work in our lives to do more than even we ask or think. So when we ask God and when we pray, isn't it amazing to watch? And most of you tonight, as I look around this place, you've walked with God for many years. You know what I'm talking about. It's amazing. You've prayed and you've asked the Lord for uh, your requests, and He always does more than what you ask. Isn't that amazing? He always does more. It's God's way. He gives us more than we ask. What did the Lord say? If we, being evil, know how to give good things to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good things to those who, what? Who ask. God gives good things to those who ask. Now, my question tonight to you is, what are you asking for? What are you asking for? You see, this is the matter of prayer. Prayer is not some magic uh, uh, kind of act that we do that somehow in doing it alone, something happens. No, when you speak with God, how can you not have peace when you've spoken with God who can change anything, who cares about you deeply, who loves you as a child of God and is willing to help you out of all your circumstances. How can you not have peace? So when we rightly pray, is what I'm saying, we will, we will experience, and Paul's saying it, the peace of God. It calms the anxious mind. It produces peacefulness in the mind. It raises the mind above what can humanly be understood. The Lord does more than even what we ask. Now, you've got to watch for it. When you've prayed and you've asked God, you've got to watch for how God works. You've got to watch for how He does what He's doing. But we see here this order. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, notice, will guard your hearts and minds. He uses both words, uh, heart and mind. Cardia is the word uh, for heart. Uh, and that has to do with your affections. And uh, this other word is the word for mind, is the word for your thoughts. Affections and thoughts, they always go together. <clears throat> what you think about affects the way you feel. And how you feel is the result of what you think about. This is why, this is why Paul links these two together, because you see the anxiousness of verse 6, that's your heart. But now he's going to talk about our mind and what we think about in verse 8. So you see how he links these together? And uh, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds. This word guard is the word for, it's a, it's a description of the protection of a military guard that watches for hostile invaders from the outside or from uh, marauders on the inside of the city. It's this, the, the peace of God guards our emotions and our thoughts. Why is the peace of God so important for us? We talk about in, uh, I've read it to you before, in Romans chapter 5, we're, we're reminded of those uh, uh, tremendous words about when we're going through troubles and trials, uh, we... we uh, we realize that hope comes finally in the end because the love of God is poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's Romans 5.5. 5. <clears throat> and we experience the love of God, but oh, the peace of God. 
the peace of God when you're in the storms of life. The peace of God in your mind. When everybody else around you is worried, you have peace because you've prayed. Because you've talked to the one who can change and do anything. Who does beyond what we can ask or think. Who gives good things to those who are His children. The way I, the way I understand this is now, now this peace guards both my emotions and my mind. That's why when you walk with God, God can settle your emotions. We seem to be living in a time of heightened emotionalism. That's what I call it. People are very emotional right now. I mean, I was, a fellow was, you know, well, I'll go ahead and admit it. I was at McDonald's, okay, I'll just admit it. Confessing in church tonight. This will go all over the internet. I was at McDonald's. And, uh, you know, they have the drive through I'm an expert on this. By the way, go to the outside one. It's easier than the inside one if you go to the outside one. This fellow was, was not moving quick enough in the line. And this other man got out of his car and was really worked up because this guy would not hurry up and go. And, uh, I mean, I thought we were going to have to called the police because this fellow was so emotional. Emotionalism is at a height right now. You see it everywhere. You see it in the grocery store. You see it in the McDonald's drive-through. You see it in families. Emotionalism. High emotionalism. You see, when my mind's not right, my emotions aren't right. My emotions are a, uh, a measuring, they're, they're, they're a gauge measuring the condition of my mind, my dear friends. So the condition of my emotions reflects the condition of my mind. This is what Paul's trying to help us understand. These two spiritual practices become important. I pray, but I also must meditate. And we're going to get to this in just a moment. I've given you 2 Corinthians 10.5 on the outline because I wanted you to see this is Paul's method of doing, of, of what we're talking about here. Spiritual warfare is first of all what you must do with your own mind. Look at these words. They're all words that describe the mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5. In fact, let me just uh, uh, read uh, just before that to you because I want you to see this in its uh, context. He says, uh, for we walk for... Verse, this is a 10.3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Now listen, he's talking here about fortresses of the mind. They're like towers. In our minds we have things that we have built, fortresses that have been built in our minds. And he goes on to say, we are destroying the, the fortress of speculation. Now, some of us tonight are speculating about what's about to happen. Have you ever let your worry take you farther than to an extreme, even beyond what the worry might be? It's speculations. That's a fortress. He says, we are destroying speculations. These are I'm describing for you various kinds of uh, troubles of the mind here. 
He says we are destroying speculation and every lofty thing like a tower raised up against the knowledge of God. So the Word of God says a set of things, but our mind says, no, this is what I believe in opposition to it. Well, when we don't believe the Word of God, those are towers of, uh, those are lofty, prideful, arrogant um, fortresses that keep us from the truth of God's Word. And if you listen to them long, you can get it from the world. You can get it from your family, passed down from generation to generation. Uh, You can get it from your friends. You can get it uh, from those who are teachers. You see, it's these these, uh, forms of fortresses. They keep the Word of God from doing its work in our minds. And all of us deal with fortresses in our minds. Every one of us. Don't, don't come in here acting like you don't. You do. So do I. So does Paul. This is why he's describing what he did. So what is this spiritual warfare that takes place? This has to do with what's in my mind. I, we are destroying speculations, every lofty thing raised up against. Notice the knowledge of God and notice what we do. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What a statement. You see, Paul is describing the importance of collecting your thoughts and bringing them in obedience to Jesus Christ. Lord, here are my thoughts. Are these pleasing to you? If they're not, change my thoughts. And there's not a person in this room who's not dealing with your thoughts every day. That your thoughts run like a river through your, through your mind. It's not so much that they all kinds of Uh, godless and all kinds of strange things flow through your mind. It's a matter of what you allow to stay in your mind. That's what matters. And this is what Paul's talking about. When you allow these things to stay in your mind, anxiousness arises. The peace of God guards the troubles of the mind. The peace of God guards you from the troubles of the mind. So rather than having worry, there is peace. The Lord Jesus demonstrated His peace. He was. This is an incredible statement, but I want you to think about it. Though He was being beaten brutally, though He was being uh, reviled horribly, the Lord Jesus was at perfect peace in those mock trials, all the way till He was on the cross. And finally in agony, when God laid the sin of the world upon Him, He said, why have you forsaken me? Perfect peace. Asleep in the boat. We know that story. The Lord Jesus at perfect peace. Never troubled with any problem people brought to Him or any concern. The peace, the peace of God is seen in the peace of the peace of mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. That's your Lord, that's my Lord. He was one who walked with peace of mind. He was one who walked in confidence. That's the way we're to walk. So Paul says to us here, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. You're not going to understand why you're so peaceful when you ought to be falling apart. <laughs> when you've prayed rightly, You won't understand why you have such peace. Well, now you do. Here's what the Word of God's saying. 
This surpassing peace comes to those who pray rightly and present to God their requests in the will of God. Believers must practice, however, spiritual thinking uh, to go along with our praying. Now, I, I want to, uh, we're going to engage in this, uh, this section, uh, and I'm going to go through this a little bit more rigorously because I'm, here, here's what I'm trying to propose to you. Many times when I talk about this matter of, I'm, I'm using the phrase thinking deeply rather than meditating because meditation doesn't always have a good, clear understanding, even though the Word of God speaks much of meditating on God's Word from Joshua to Deuteronomy, all, all through the Psalms. But I'm going to use the phrase thinking deeply rather than meditating because I want to, uh, I want to present to you this argument. Most of us think... Um, very shallow. We, we're, we, we're shallow thinkers. We're just blazing through life. We're just tearing through life, not giving any deep thought to what's going on in our lives. Look, now this is going to be a scary question. Don't laugh out loud, but do some of you old people remember when you were 20 years old? Don't laugh out loud. Do you remember when you were 20? It may take some of you a while to go back in your mind. Once upon a time, you were 20 years old. Can you believe that? Ken, can you believe that? You do believe that? 20 years old. Not, I know. The reason why I'm saying this is because unless you intentionally think the way Paul's speaking here, you're going to miss something of great blessing to you in life. So I'll start at the end of verse 8, Philippians 4, 8, rather than the beginning. Dwell on these things. You see it there? See those words? Dwell on these things. At the end of your outline, you can see what I've described. This word dwell is, uh, is a word. We get logical from it. Logizomai is the Greek word. Logizomai. Dwell. Logizomai on these things. Now, the, we're going to go back and talk about them, but I'm going to start at the ending rather than the beginning of, of verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, right, pure, lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, logizomai, dwell on these things. It means to calculate. It means to reckon. It means to consider. It, it means to think about something having force or weight, significance. And I submit to you that the majority of us are trained in our culture to think shallowly, not deeply. The best blessing you could do if you have children is teach them how to think deeply on the things of God. There's no, you know, we, 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 we do emphasize it here at the church, and I'm grateful with all of our boys and girls, and, and Ken, Brother Ken does, and, and Tim starts to work on it, but... Uh, I submit to you sooner than later on this matter of learning to think deeply on God's truths or to meditate on God's Word. <clears throat> Thinking about things deeply is the same thing you do when you worry. It is the same process. When you worry, you know what you do? You get up in the morning thinking about it. You drive to work thinking about it. You go to lunch thinking about it. 
You, you go home in the afternoon thinking about it. You go to bed and oh, there it is again. You, you, you started with it as you got out of bed. You go to bed and you, you carry that worry, right? You're still thinking about that troublesome thing. What I'm submitting to you is use your mind, Paul's submitting to you, to think deeply about godly things. Substitute ungodly thinking for godly thinking. The sooner you teach your children or grandchildren to do it, the better off they'll be. You will give them a gift. You will give them a gift that most generations of American Christians have no clue about. Because you see, if you think deeply about something, you have to think about one thing at a time. Not a multiple of things. And people will make all kinds of excuses and say to me, well, you know, I can't think about one thing. I'm, and they have all the, you use all the medical terms. I'm OCD or I'm whatever I am, Z, ZDD, BBB, RRR, whatever. It's a matter of discipline. It's a matter of discipline. You actually do think about some things deeply. Like I said, you worrying about some of them tonight. You brought them in here. And you've been worrying about that one thing for a long time, haven't you? You can do this. So what does a man do who's in prison for God? Well, he prays, but he also thinks deeply about good things. So let's go back now. And notice this is in two sections. First, it's whatever. He gives us six whatevers and two, if anything. You see it there in your Bible? Verse 8, whatever and if anything. Every word matters in your Bible. <clears throat> whatever and if anything. So let's begin with the whatevers. That is all that is. Uh, so we think about whatever or all. So think about all that is true. This is the first thing we think deeply about. So by the way, I didn't get into the methodology yet about how you could do this with your children, but it's, it's very easily done. We'll talk about it at the very end, but I want to go through these qualities and get you to think about them. So here's a list for you. People will say to me, Pastor Mike, I don't know how to do it. What do I think about? That's a great question. If you're going to think deeply, what do you think about? Paul gives you, and he gave the Philippians, this church, these eight qualities, I put on the outline six, I meant to type eight. Notice, whatever is true. This word has to do with something that is uh, revealed, unhidden. It's not hidden, it's, it's not concealed. There's nothing uh, shadowy about it. It is, uh, it is that which is revealed. It's true. It's, uh, the word is sometimes used in... Uh, uh, in the ancient world, when they would go to a, um, uh, out on the uh, places where they sold their goods, if you would buy a fabric, if you'd, sometimes you would look at the fabric and it, was, it had a color, they would t you'd take it into the light. And the, the, not in the shadow of the, you know, the, the little place where they're selling it, but you hold it up in the light to see if it's the true color. It's, it's this idea of truth is... It's, it's akin to the word truth, but the word itself has to do with things that are not hidden, that are not concealed, all right? Think about things that are this way. And always, here's the practice. 
If you think deeply, always think deeply about the truths that relate to the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, always think about truths that relate to your salvation in Jesus Christ. Then you have two patterns. You can run these all day long and you can make lists. I have my own lists that I try to do. And pick one thing and think deeply about it, perhaps for a week, perhaps for a day. This is part of the discipline of the Christian life. Pastor Mike, I just have trouble with my thinking. Well, are you doing anything about it? If the answer is no, then that's why you have trouble with your thinking. You have to do your part. You see, it doesn't say here, uh, and God will give you these things. No, it says you must dwell on these things. It's an imperative verb. Dwell on these. It's a verb. Think about it. So the Lord Jesus is true light. John 1, 9, He was the true light, uh, which lights every man coming into the world. The Lord Jesus said in John 15, 1, I am the true vine. 1 John 5, 20, listen carefully to this verse. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. God is not concealed or hidden. God is not concealed. He has revealed Himself completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are in Him that is true. We are in Christ. We are in the One who is true. Now He has revealed Himself in us, even His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. The man, uh, the new man we are in Jesus Christ. Notice in uh, Ephesians 4.24, is created in righteousness and True holiness. Holiness is not something concealed, it's something seen. It's not legalism, going through the motions, dressing a certain way, uh, you know, having these silly rec regulations that are added to the Word of God. No, holiness is being like Jesus Christ in our character, in our words, in our actions. Being true. There's trueness to us. There's no hiddenness in us. You see, hypocrisy is hiddenness. It's masking. But this has to do, my dear friends, with being true. Growing in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. True knowledge is not hidden knowledge. You see, there were those that were going around in the day of the apostles talking about a secret hidden knowledge that only a few could have. No, no. The true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ has been completely revealed. There's no secrets. So think about what is true. Think about what is true. Think about whatever, all that is honorable. Number two, think about what's honorable. Simnos, it is the word that means to be honored by character or acts of character or people of character. It is this word to uh, honored by character, by, by, by a reputation of character. Think about the honorable character of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Uh, what did he say to those that didn't believe in him? If you don't believe my words, believe what I do. What you see is what you get. He had character. He was a man of holy character, the Lord Jesus. Think about acts of the character, doing things that are sacrificial, loving other people, praying for others who are your enemies, treating people the way they ought to be treated, even when you're treated in a bad way. Uh, think about honorable people of character who have walked with God and influenced you. Think about them. You know them. I know them. Some of the ones who've had such an impact on me now in heaven, I'm so grateful for them. I'm grateful for their character. They were not perfect people. Uh, 
but they were men and women who sought to walk with God, trust God, believe God. What a wonderful thing to think about those who've lived like that. That's why Paul goes on to say, verse 9, the things you have learned, received, heard, seen in me. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So think about what's true, my friends. Think about whatever or all that is honorable. Uh, number three, think about whatever is right. This is the word from which we get righteousness. Righteousness, that is observing the law of God. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is our righteousness. The Lord Jesus Christ gave us His righteousness when we believed on Him by faith. He cred your, the righteousness of Christ is credited to you when you believe in Him and you're saved. Think about the acts of righteousness that come when we obey God's Word. Think about what's right. What's right has to do with the law of God. What's right has to do with the way Jesus Christ lived. Think about doing right. Think about being right. Think about the righteousness of our Lord. That's what I must think about. In a wrongness, in the wrongness of the world, I must think about the rightness of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. And I must fight against this whole twistedness. Some of us are so caught up in the news of the day... It's affecting your thinking, my friend. You must think rightly, godly, honorably. You must think about what is right, not dwell upon what is wrong. It will affect your emotions. People are angry today, and even Christians are angry today because their thinking isn't right. Think about what is pure, all that's pure. This word means sacred or reverent, pure from fleshly sin, modest, clean. There's a lot of different ways to describe it. The Word of God in the Psalms is called pure. The law of God is pure. Yes, it's pure. It is completely holy. Think on the Lord Jesus Christ who is completely, absolutely pure. And, and think about living in the cleanliness of purity in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> All of us have been saved out of the corruption of our flesh. All of us have been saved out of the wickedness and horribleness of sin that affected our flesh, our bodies, and our souls. But now you're saved. Live your life as a pure one in Jesus Christ. Think about purity. I, I just submit to you, as however much you listen to the world, talk about impurity, it will affect you. And whatever you hear the most is what you think about the most. I must substitute the truths of God for the lies of the world. Or I'll keep thinking about them and it'll take me further away from God in my relationship. And think about what is lovely. This word lovely, actually, the, a numeric standard uses the word lovely. The word actually is a word that means acceptable. Think about things that are acceptable and pleasing to God. Think about the loveliness of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was, who was this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's, how can you say it any better? Think about the loveliness of the Lord, who was well pleasing to God the Father as He was sent as the Son. What a glorious truth this is. Think about 
acceptance in Christ by justification of faith. What a, please, what, a, what a wonderful thing to be accepted in Christ and to no longer be condemned because I am justified by faith. Think about pleasing God by a life of obedience. I make it my aim, Paul said, to please Him in all things. We've talked about that. Then think about all that is of good repute. Now this word means to speak well, good words, gracious words. Think about things that are think about think about things that are the words of grace. The Lord Jesus spoke with words of grace. Uh, Paul says in one of his other letters, "Have your words seasoned as it were with salt, like gr have gracious words." I only speak gracious words when I think about good things. Think about it, my friend. Think about things that are Think about the Lord Jesus' gracious words and think about those who have spoken good words to you and think about the blessedness of God's Word. It's like uh, apples of silver in frames of gold. These words. Think about these words of good repute. But then there's a transition to thinking about where and who demonstrates these following qualities in all circumstances of life. And he changes to this a uh, conditional word, if anything. Notice he says, if there is any excellence. Where can we find excellence today? It seems that now we teach our children, look, just get by. Look, just, just go do the best you can. There is no endeavor for excellence. There is no challenge to go uh, to exceed and to live in such a way of excellence. Peter talks about excellence so much. We looked at it in his letters. Excellence. Do you live with excellence in your life, my friend? Excellence. Think on excellent things. Think about things that are excellent. The, this this uh, word excellence is a word... It means morally good. Uh, it, it also can uh, describe modesty and purity. Modesty? Do you, is that even an English word anymore? Modesty? You better Google it. You may have forgotten what it is. The excellency of the Lord Jesus Christ, the excellency of godly words, the excellency of purity in life. Purity, purity in marriages, purity in our relationships with our children, which we're talking about on Sunday mornings. Purity, purity in an unholy world. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Purity. Think of, uh, think if or whether there is anything worthy of praise. And here's the word. It's commendation. Think about praising God for all we have in Christ. Think about Things that are worthy of praise. What about His grace, His love, His mercy? You can go through, you can, what about the character of God? He is holy. He is, he is uh, omnipotent, omnipresent. I mean, again, you can expand on these in so many ways. So Paul said in Romans 8, 6, For the mind, now, now I've got it here on your outline. Listen as we finish now. For the mind set on the flesh is death. 
But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. You want to have peace of mind? Set your mind on the Spirit. Set your mind on the things of God. Now, I've given it to you in William's translation. I love William's translation and the message. They're both, uh, they're both paraphrases, uh, not actual translations as we think of our regular Bibles, but I think these, these do a good job. Now, brothers, practice thinking on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovable, what is high-toned, yes, on everything that is excellent or praiseworthy. Uh, the message says, I'd say you'll do the best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. So what do we do with this and how do we practice this? Well, here's some things you can do with your children. Maybe you pick one of these words and talk with your children or your grandchildren. When your grandkids come over, say, hey, let's talk about things that are true. What do you think are, what are some things that are true? Today, all day long, we're going to think about true things. I'm sure you'll have all kinds of lessons during the day about false things about hidden things, about secret things. What's the difference between things that are secrets and things that are not secrets? You, you all, again, and you know what you'll discover? If you teach children how to do this, you'll learn to do it too. Perhaps you can do like I have to do. I have to put it on now that we all have one of these uh, dog collars that we all have. I put it on this now that I've been trained. I'm thankful that my children have taught me how to do this and I can actually put it on here and I can put what I'm thinking about on to come up as a reminder during the day. And you know, that's the most annoying thing now that I've done it because just when I don't want to be thinking deeply, boom, there it is. It's time for your, your uh, afternoon reminder of what you need to think about, Pastor Mike. Maybe you put it on your mirror at home. Maybe you stick it on the refrigerator. Maybe you as a family take a week and you think about different truths. Maybe you and your husbands and wives who are here. Maybe you who are widowed and your friends and you have your groups. You know, I've heard that some of our, some of our uh, widows, they, uh, they have some gatherings. And uh, maybe those gatherings should include thinking about some deep things together. Maybe when you're with your friends, maybe it's in a Sunday school class. You know, I'm very serious about this. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Each day, renew your mind by confession, repentance and prayer, and time in God's Word. Remember that God sees your thoughts... He sees mine. God sees our thoughts. You must face them, whether they're sinful or holy. You must face them. And daily set before your mind something to think about deeply from God's Word. Stay with that one thought throughout the day. At night, pause and reflect on that deep thought one last time. 
and ask God to teach you the truth from that, from that thought, that word, that concept, that idea, that quality, and how it can impact your life so that you might honor Him. The things that you have learned and received and heard and even seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the pleasure it is for us to have these helpful, this helpful counsel from Paul. What did he think about in jail? True, lovely, honorable, things of good repute, excellencies, and things of praise. Purity. He thought just like we have to think. How I pray that you would help us tonight that we would exchange our troubled minds and exchange our thoughts about all of the godless things that go through our minds with good things from You. You have given us all that we have. May prayer and deep thinking about the things of God come to be real practices in our life to the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Good to see all of you. Hope to see you on Sunday. We continue thinking about as for me and my house. Say hello to somebody on your way out. All of you who joined us tonight, God bless you. And we hope to see you soon. See you Sunday. God bless you. Have a great day.